I remember when I first asked people to call me JD, or when I first decided I wanted people to call me JD, I was thinking like, oh, this is this is a cool name, but no one's called JD, literally no one. And then like, not long after that, I first heard of Scrubs. <laughs> I have a cousin who's about my age. Yeah. Who was always gone by JD. Yeah. I thought that was just a fairly common thing, I guess. I've never met anyone else besides your cousin and this character. It's kind of weird. <laughs> well, the students at Hogwarts are sorted into houses according to Whatever that shifty sorting hat says they ought to do I asked Dumbledore if I could be sorted, he said sorry JD But I could get reported to the Ministry of Magic for incorrect procedure You're not a wizard, you're a doctor Hello and welcome to Sorted. I'm Alex. I'm JD. And this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is inherently flawed and sorting even more so, but it's still fun to view characters in this way. Speaking of things that are flawed, but still fun. (laughs) Speaking of things that are JD. (laughs) (laughs) That one got you, huh? Got me. We're sorting Scrubs. It's everyone's favorite sitcom that's not Friends. Sure. It was for many people. I think it filled the the role of Friends when Friends ended, or I think it definitely started before Friends ended. Sure, but there's like enough of an overlap that it could fill in. Yeah, and like it was, you know, most sitcoms or many sitcoms at least for a while were very much compared to Friends. Like How I Met Your Mother was completely compared to Friends. Sure, and it was obviously more similar in concept. This show compares itself to Friends a lot too, though. There it's are, very, like, self-aware. Yeah. There are, like, four different variations on the Ross and Rachel joke. For instance, <laughs> there's a Dr. Ross and a Dr. Rachel at one point who are in a relationship. Oh, that's ringing a bell. But then in season eight, when JD and Elliot have a conversation and get back together, he straight up compares them to Ross and Rachel mm. and says he watched the Friends finale last night. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Very much flawed and problematic and... With many things that don't age well, particularly homophobic jokes and sexist jokes and this, that and the other. You know, the kind of things that are like typical of the media, not even the time, just media in general. Yeah. Stuff that probably, if I were, if I started watching a show that went so hard on some of the jokes that the show went with, I would would be like, nah. (laughs) And there are, there, there are homophobic jokes that are like, you're not supposed to be on the side of the person making these homophobic remarks necessarily. It's, yeah, remarks, not jokes at times. Yeah. Sometimes there are homophobic jokes. Like, like J- well, JD and Turk's friendship. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, and like, it, 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 is, a, it, is, it is a nice friendship. Mm-hmm. It, it is good. I, my best friend is also called Chris. Yeah. Like Chris Turk, so that was fun. We have often sung... Guy Love together and adapted the lyrics to our own and put a version of that on YouTube and for his birthday one year I got us matching rubber bracelets with our names on <laughs> like they had yeah. it's a good show very oh, yeah, good yeah 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 like we watched several episodes this afternoon jumping around in the show and like it was just good yeah so yeah like for context like I have a terrible memory <laughs> so like I have watched all of Scrubs but like I couldn't tell you anything about it other than maybe some of the main characters names um and that I like my favorites were the janitor and Ted sure um like <laughs> that's all I could tell you I couldn't tell you why I couldn't tell you any plot lines or anything so we watched a few episodes just to review <laughs> mostly for my benefit and like it was just fun it was like aside from like you know there, there were like comments and lines and things that were like ooh um but like overall there was like so much heart and like it's so yeah. absurd and it balances this like absurdity and this very serious sometimes content you know, and it, it's a really good balance anyone who knows the show knows that, you know it's obviously got the very silly moments JD's wild fantasies and mm-hmm. various silly recurring gags pivoting directly into heartfelt soulful ending where JD reflects on the nature of life working in a hospital yeah. often with a particularly sad song maybe it's a sad slow rendition of the sesame street theme song but still yeah that was one of the ones we watched but like I'll, yeah a lot of episodes great. i remember i the muppets in it <laughs> elmo elmo's there and he's flirting with a doctor yeah 
Um, like, I, I do re- remember this about the show, is that a lot of times it would have, like, patients dying, like, you're oh, working yeah. in a hospital, like, people mm-hmm. are sick, like, it's not always, like, a happy, fun thing, and yeah. I remember it balancing that, like, really well mm-hmm. with this very goofy concept with these, you know, yeah. imaginative daydreams and whatnot, and making you, like, laugh out loud because of yeah. the absurdity and then like immediately turning yeah. and reminding you like oh yeah <laughs> characters absolutely die and characters that the show makes you care about die yeah like it... and it it's handled so well for mm-hmm. a comedy yeah yeah like it doesn't lose any of that heart like yeah you're not sat there sobbing or anything like but you still feel it yeah yeah um it, it's such a good balance i was think i've been thinking about ace attorney recently <laughs> um and <Cool>. how <laughs> Please make sure when you're editing this, you remove the word recently from that, because you are always thinking about Ace Attorney. I'm always thinking about Ace Attorney. I was specifically thinking about um, the absurdity of Ace Attorney and the also how how dark and dire things <laughs> can get sometimes mm-hmm. and how it can sometimes... It's hard to get that balance of silly and absurd. You're not allowed to talk about Ace Attorney or Gargoyles for the rest of this episode. Oh, Gargoyles is another good combo of absurd and <laughs> serious. Anyway, it's a hard it's a hard combo to do and I have recently been enjoying content that has not always succeeded and so then going and watching some episodes of Scrubs it's like, "Oh, it's it can be done." And oh, yeah. it is it's very tricky, but the show did it very well. Hey, speaking of Scrubs, we should talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Who's up first, Alex? Probably JD, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, I'm here, but who, who, which character first? The John Dorian one. John Dorian! Dr. Jonathan Dorian. Okay. Yeah, he's a doctor. Is he? Yeah, tell me about him. Uh, he's a doctor. <laughs> well, there you go. That sums up his character. What house is the doctor house? Hufflepuff. <laughs> Controversial. House hot take. All doctors are Hufflepuff. Or Ravenclaw, it depends. Um... <laughs> um well, okay, so JD is... He's kind of a sensitive guy. Very much so. Um, he's like, very emotional. Yeah, that's where the, a lot of the the homophobic jokes come from, is making like jokes about him being effeminate, and he's just a guy who's in touch with his feminine side. But then sometimes he's like, no, it's not gay. Don't, don't. Yeah. If he could just be like, yeah, I'm effeminate. I'm proud of that. Yeah. Like, that'd be great. Like, he has feelings, and yeah. he emotes, and that's wonderful. Yeah, he very much feels for his patients and cares about every single person he meets. He's extremely empathetic. Yeah, which has its upsides and very much downsides when you're a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he like cries he... over every single patient he loses. <laughs> and, and it's not, he doesn't, like, it's not that he just cares about his patients either. He cares oh, no. about, like, all of his friends and, mm-hmm. like, the other people working in the hospital. Like, he cares deeply about, like, everything and everyone he wants to do the best he can he's he's very much got a light-hearted goofy side though he is constantly losing himself in daydreams that become known around the hospital so that everyone can recognize when he's just tilted his head to the side and is staring off into the distance when he's having a daydream you know they'll make jokes where like da- he's having a daydream which you know obviously usually shown as a fant- fantasy sequence yeah but they'll just be like now nah, he's off having a daydream and now he's gonna come back with some weird non-sequitur that doesn't make any sense. Like, what was he thinking about? (laughs) It's great. Yeah. They're often very funny. It kind of makes sense, like, you're working as, like, a doctor. Like, that's that's a hard job. Yeah. Like, Especially if you're an extremely empathetic, emotional yeah. person, like so you can you can pull a JD and very much resorts to childlike fun. Escapism, in your downtime. basically. Yeah. Like he just, I think he uses it as a way to kind of distract himself. Or you can pull a Doctor Cox, where you just get angry at everything and drink and sleep your way into a coma. Mm. One of those sounds healthier than the other. Yeah, I'll take the daydreams, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a feeling, due to the nature of this show, that characters are going to skew towards Ravenclaw. Yeah, I think I think despite that house hot take from earlier, doctors probably in general screw to what screw. <laughs> doctors. Most in, of these doctors do screw. They definitely screw. Also, Ted screws, <laughs> even if it's only in JD's fantasies. But the Gooch w- would really like to screw him. Can you tell which episodes we, we rewatched? I would love, based on our specific references that we make, tweeted us which episodes you think we watched. <laughs> I think you'll find some clues. <laughs> But, what was I saying? Everyone screws? Doctors in general, I think, skew right. towards Ravenclaw. Sure, yeah, yeah. 
Is JD a Ravenclaw? I don't think so. No? I think he's a Hufflepuff. You think he is a Hufflepuff? I think he's a Hufflepuff. Go I on. think his entire being is centered around... Like, he wants to help people. Mm-hmm. He wants to make the world a better place. And, like, sure, being a doctor is kind of um, an intellectual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't seem the kind that particularly, like, values the... Intellectual side of it? Yeah. That's, that's a... Like using the intellectual side as a means to an end to help. Yeah, like sure. his his whole person is like I want to help people. Yeah. One of the episodes that we watched, there, you know, everyone was sitting at a table and then ha ha ha, everyone's happy. It's a good time. Yeah. Enter Jordan. And then you know there was some drama, and then everyone was mad at each other, and so everyone like one by one sort of got up and left in a huff and you know, walked off. Um, except for JD. Mm. And he, like, you kind of watch him as each person leaves. Like, he is clearly willing to stay there and put in the work mm. to talk it out and try to make things right. And everyone else was just it, it, too mad at the moment to stay and, and do that. But, like, he's the only one that doesn't leave the table. And, like, when we were watching that, I was like, that's so awful, Puff. He's so loyal. Like, he's staying <laughs> sure. here. He's yeah. gonna put in the work to do it. And he cares so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a sure. great example yeah. of character. Okay. JD Hufflepuff. Yeah. It, it, same. <laughs> Same. Me, I'm JD Hufflepuff. You are MJD Hufflepuff. What's <laughs> <laughs> next? Well, up next is Turkleton. Oh. Chris Turk. Yeah. Turkleton to his boss. This hospital seems wildly unprofessional, just as a side note. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the on-call beds are primarily for sex. Mm. Mm. <laughs> is this why my mom told me never to go into the medical field? <laughs> What does that say about what your mom gets up to at work? Well, she works at a doctor's office, not a hospital. They don't have on-call beds, so... (laughs) Turk is JD's best friend. Yes. They went to... They met at university, and then they went to... So they went to the same university, and then they went to the same medical school, and then they got a job at the same hospital, so they've been best friends for a long time. They have a dead stuffed dog together. Oh, yeah. And they live together for a while, but then they don't, I think. Probably. Yeah. At some point, they stop living together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the characters, in some fashion or another, live with each other. Or at least the core four. I don't know. Yeah. They're all kind of like a weird little family. And he's a surgeon rather than a yes. not surgeon doctor. A, a doctor? That's got to be a specific term. A, like a physician? Maybe. I don't know. Um, medical. Medical doctor a, rather than um, physical doctor. Tweet at us. What's the difference between a, a, a surgeon and whatever JD is? His occupation is doctor of internal medicine. Does that mean he's an insides doctor? As in, like, he specifically doctors your insides? I don't know. Um, Turk is more of a jock yeah. than JD. The show presents surgeons in general as being jockish. I think and... the word thrown around a bit is meatheads. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of thing. They're like the the quarterbacks of the hospital. Mm. They're the cool guys who get in there and save lives, but... And it very much follows the model of, like, black-haired white guy and bald black guy best friends. Mm. Like this and Psych, and I'm sure there's at least something else. Sure. Turk is... (laughs) What is his character? Um, I'm struggling to nail him down. And he's 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 often very supportive. Yeah. Um. He loves his friends and family. Yeah. He. So in his first day, I think he hooks up with Carla, a nurse at the hospital he's working with. You know, obviously, eventually marries her and has kids. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, they're but, just kind of like. like what does that say about him? It establishes that he's loyal. <laughs> I guess. Um, I think he might be a Gryffindor. Yeah. I think um, he's got that, like, I want to help. Yeah. I am doctor. I help. I help a person. But, like, the mm. specifically, like, the surgeon sort of attitude and the way that they're sort of betrayed mm-hmm. as... He enjoys doing the very silly, lighthearted things with JD, but he gets very embarrassed if, like, his colleagues know about it. Other friends, it doesn't matter. And o- over time, he gets over that. Yeah. And I think I think he more than JD has the concerns of being perceived as gay. Yeah. With JD, like JD's like, who cares? And then he's like, I don't want people to think we're gay. And it's yeah. Like, 
Yeah, but who cares? Yeah. Um, so he's a little bit more self-conscious. Sure, um, yeah. I think, like, he wants to help people, but I think it's more in the vein of he wants to save people. Hmm. Which is a, a very slight distinction, sure. but leans more Gryffindor than Hufflepuff, hmm. I think. I think he's also, he's definitely ambitious. Yeah. He wants to push ahead. Like, sure. he pushes towards, like, being, like, head of surgery. Okay. By the time of season nine, where they're at a medical school, he and Dr. Cox, like, on the same level, more yeah. or less. But he's in charge of surgery. He's, like, head of surgery and Cox is head of medicine. But, like, Cox is obviously... Way ahead in his career, yeah, in theory. Much further, yeah. It's like yeah. Turk's pushed far, that farther ahead. Turk might be a Slytherin. Could be. Mm. Yeah. Um, protective and loyal to those he's closest to. Yeah. Um, cunning, determined. Mm, I, yeah, determined, I'd say so. Um, I don't know about cunning, but. What are the other Slytherin things? You could throw fraternity under the whole yeah. surgery club. <laughs> well, he's hardworking. In a way towards ambition. Mm. You want to talk about that tweet we got? <laughs> we, we got tweeted at recently. <laughs> we, we got a tweet by a new listener who probably won't be listening to this episode just yet because they're, I think they're going through all the episodes, which is great. <laughs> Good for you. When you get to this point, hi. And they Hello. tweeted at us saying that they are a proud Slytherin and feel like we always lump anyone who's hardworking into Hufflepuff. And to be fair... Hardworking is literally described by the Sorting Hat as a Hufflepuff trait. Yeah. And it's never listed as a Slytherin trait. Yeah. But they're saying, they're saying ambition without hard work is, like... Doesn't get you anywhere. I think that's still... Mm. Ambition without hard work would still be Slytherin, but ambition with hard work yeah. can also be Slytherin. So I guess the point is more about what is the intent of the hard work. Yeah. If the hard work is specifically to try and get ahead, leaning more Slytherin. Sure. Whereas if it's for the sake of the work itself... Yeah. That's where it could yeah. become more Hufflepuff. I wonder if, like... I'm thinking about, like, classic Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Leslie Nope. Yeah. We, we put her in Hufflepuff, right? Yes. Even though she put herself in Gryffindor. She's so incredibly hardworking. Yeah. Like, is she hardworking to get ahead? Or is she just hardworking because someone needs to do the work? I think she does it for the sake of doing the work. I think so, too. So, so Leslie like, Nope is a Hufflepuff. Moving on. Who's the next Parks and Rec character? <laughs> I'm just trying to, like... Do, no, I know, I know. That's what the distinction is. <laughs> yeah. And I was using her as an example. I'm, I'm being a joke. It's fine. Up next is Anne Perkins. Where do we put Turk? <laughs> Slytherin? I think Slytherin. Okay. Yeah. So, up next... Uh, Elliot? Dr. Elliot Reed, who, you know... She's the girl. Yeah, but... Well, I think she follows in the same vein as Robin on How I Met Your Mother in that, oh, very well-off father's like, I want a male heir to my fortune and I will give you a slightly masculine leaning name that could also be feminine and I want you to be like me and has daddy issues as a result and mm. often gets confused for man. Sure. Early on, like, I think she assumes an air of early on trying not to intimidate the men around her, which then gets like called back later on when she's mentoring new interns mm. and they're doing the same thing and she's trying to support them and help them see not to do that and stuff. And eventually she, like, embraces more femininity. And she feels at first that she can't present herself as feminine because she won't be taken seriously as a doctor. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that's a whole thing in and of itself. Despite the fact there are only two female main characters compared to five male main characters, the way it handles its female main characters, I think for the most part, is pretty good. Sure. They don't shy away from the women being part of physical comedy, which is definitely a good thing. Yeah. Elliot in particular. Love that. Yeah. And absolutely let her be a goofball as well. Good. She, I mean, she tends towards finding JD and Turk a bit sillier but is the most likely person to join in with what they're doing sure 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 sure. much more so than like parlor would be <laughs> absolutely like those three form like a trio at the beginning because they're all they're three of the new interns when they all start together yeah um and you know of the interns they're the main characters yeah i don't know like you were getting a hard you were having a hard time reading turk i have a hard time reading Elliot. yeah i think she my my gut instinct leads me towards slytherin because again, mm. she's got, she's de- definitely ambitious and wants to get ahead. But part of that is because of how she's been influenced by p- other people around her. Mm. But uh, how you're influenced by other people in your life still informs who you are as a person. Yeah, you think like the majority of Slytherins in actual <laughs> Hogwarts aren't influenced by their actual parents <laughs> who are like raised them to be ambitious? Sure, yeah. Which is wild. Like, what, what's ambitious about the Malfoy family? Like, this, like, they're not ambitious at all. None of them have a job at any point. 
They want to keep their wealth and stay rich and like, think that they're better than other people. I don't know what's ambitious about them. They don't do anything. Yeah, just... Mm-hmm. They make friends in high places somehow. One of the other things, resourcefulness, cunning, ambition, determination, leadership, self-preservation, manipulation, fraternity, lineage. Oh, they got lineage. Sure. They sure care about that. You got that manipulation. I guess they often determined. find themselves in leadership positions. I'm thinking about Lucius in particular. Does he? Yeah, he's got like sway over like the whole school board or whatever. I guess. Um, we see him like in the Ministry of Magic a bunch. Let's talk about Scrubs characters. Stop getting me distracted. Me too. <laughs> Gryffindor. Yeah. What? It's a vibe. Hmm. Sometimes it I, comes down yeah, to vibes. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate what you're saying there. Um, like she, she also like obviously cares mm. about her job and the people yeah. that she's caring for. She cares about her friends. I think she's slightly less empathetic than JD is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. No one meet. No one meets JD on empathy. <laughs> um. I think I think she might be the most Ravenclaw leaning out of the main characters. Okay, I can or see Ravenclaw. At too. least out of the doctors. Uh, mm. You literally were like, I think doctors are all Ravenclaw. Well, I didn't know. I said None they lean them. Ravenclaw. None of them have been. No, we've sort of two. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> are you saying that Elliot's a Ravenclaw? I don't know. Maybe. I think like if you took her character and put her in a very different environment, she'd seem even more Ravenclaw. Sure. That's the thing as well. We're seeing them in this particular environment where they're using the, this intelligence and these smarts. And it's like maybe if you put them in a different situation, it would shine through more. That more of them should be more Ravenclaw. Mm. I would want to. I want to go Ravenclaw and Elliot. Okay. Why not? Sure. Fight me. Tweet at us. Tweet at us. I bet you won't. <laughs> There's a moth. <laughs> yes, there is a moth in the studio. Studio. Don't tell them that the microphone is sitting on a bed. They don't need to know. Please don't tell people how I live. Up next is Carla. She's Dominican. (laughs) Not Puerto Rican. Can you tell which episodes we watched? Well, that's the thing. Most of those jokes and references in that song... Yeah. Keynote song are from previous parts of the show. Yeah. Like she goes like through like what their wedding song was. And one of those songs she mentions was their wedding song Mm. that was in the show. Yeah. Like, all those things are true facts. Yeah. Kyla. Yes. Takes no shit. <laughs> <laughs> she is a nurse. I think at some point she becomes head nurse, or she might have already been head nurse. I think she I, she probably works her way into that position. Probably. I forget exactly. I feel like it would be a little bit weird if, like, on Turk's first week there, he slept with the head nurse. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's about the same age as J.D. Elliot Turk. Mm-hmm. But obviously I didn't go through the same level of medical school and everything. So she's been working at the hospital for some years. So she knows her way around. And she's trying to help them out. She calls JD Bambi as the nickname because he's a cute little fluffy baby. Yeah. It's a loving nickname. At first it's kind of teasing, but like it becomes very much a loving nickname. They're yeah. very close friends. Yeah. At one point they definitely kiss when T- Turk and Carla are having marital trouble. <laughs> yeah, you know, sitcom drama. <laughs> Sitcoms are stupid. Yeah. I think Turk and Elliot only ever had any kind of romantic inclination in one episode when he was having dreams about Elliot. Mm. And then Carla and Elliot both found that hilarious and wanted to know all the details while he's horrified by having an affair with his wife in a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife just like, no, that's so funny. That's great sitcom content. Yeah, yeah. When... (laughs) When it's not like a thing, yeah, it's just like no, it's just your subconscious doing whatever, man. Yeah, like it's yeah. nothing. But he makes it like it's something. Yeah, like because he takes the sitcoms too seriously. <laughs> well, because because he's because he's very loving and caring. It's like yeah, but I love my wife. I want to dream about fucking my wife. Carla. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Carla. She's very much kind of like no nonsense. Yes. Um. Like, yeah, like, she's not ruffled by yeah. things like that or the the rest of their shenanigans. And she very much is, like, you know, pushing for the idea that, like, being a nurse doesn't make you inferior to a doctor. It doesn't make you less of a person or, like, less important or whatever. You have different functions you're fulfilling. Like, yeah. the doctor has the medical knowledge and is making those key diagnoses, but the nurse can do so much of the work and needs to do so much of the work for these yeah. doctors who can't do so much of it. Yeah. 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 
What else is What there? house is she? Uh... So I know I've said this for the last two characters. Gryffindor vibe? Gryffindor vibe. I'm more inclined to agree with you on Carla. Carla's got that Gryffindor ferociousness. She is a lion. Mm, I think that's what it is. Like, she will stand up for herself. <laughs> yeah. She will stand up for her friend. She yep. will... She like, will roar in your face. Yeah, she takes no shit. Yep. She will She does what to needs the... to get done. Yeah. And everyone likes her. Of all the main characters, like, everyone has someone on this list they don't like. Or everyone is disliked by someone on this list. Mm. To some degree. Sure. Everyone likes Carla. Yeah. Because, why wouldn't you? If you don't like her... She'll punch you. <laughs> if you don't like her... Then... And then, she'll sew you up the stitches. But she, you no, no, she's not going to, like... She's not going to, like, <laughs> penalise you for not liking her. But you're missing out. It's your loss if you don't yeah. like her. Yeah, that's much more... <laughs> that's very much the vibe. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of confidence. I've got Gryffindor. Gryffindor for Carla. That makes the first four all four houses. And I was not the one arguing for this. Because <laughs> I tried to put them all in Gryffindor. <laughs> You never try to put JD in Gryffindor. No, no, absolutely not. That boy is a Hufflepuff. That that boy will always be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Doctor Cox, <laughs> penis. An asshole. No, he's a penis. <laughs> he's also an asshole. <laughs> his foot. His name is Percival Ulysses Cox. The kind of name that like he should no be getting bullied for. No wonder he's such a jerk. Yeah, he definitely got bullied for the name at school. Yikes. Teacher calls your name on the register. Percival. Percival Ulysses Cox Cox Percival Ulysses Cox Yeah Yikes yeah. <laughs> Yikes Yikes And yikes. he is a dick But he's a caring dick Yeah JD he's, um... he's the He's like He's a He's an experienced doctor And becomes like the chief of Interns or whatever Residence mm. And He's Sundere <laughs> Sure So He's introduced as a complete dick JD latches onto him wanting a mentor after the first episode because deep down he does care. He cares about his patients mm-hmm. so damn much. Yeah. Unless they piss him off. <laughs> and like he likes the people around him if they're good at what they do and if they're not just being annoying. Yeah. He, he just doesn't have any patience for like bullshit. Yeah. And like not taking your job seriously. Like people's lives are literally on the line. This yeah. is like a very serious line of work and yeah. he takes it seriously. Yeah. Everyone else has moments of levity because they kind of need a break from all that seriousness, but he doesn't allow himself that. He absolutely has problems with homosexuality. He makes the most unnecessary (laughs) remarks. Yeah, I mean, he calls JD by girls' names to emasculate him. It's like... Yikes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, can we not? (sighs) Why are we doing this for Brian? (laughs) Yeah. How did we end up saying, <laughs> go support LGBT creators? I guess that's me, but, um... I swear he had, like, a gay friend or a gay sibling or something, and he was, like, at first was not expecting them. Maybe it's his Christian sister that this is the case with, mm. where he's, like, rejecting them at first, but at the end is like, I don't really get it, but fine. I don't know, I forget. I don't know. Yeah. Point is, he's definitely got homophobia to deal with. Even if he's the kind of person who will make homophobic jokes and not see the problem, even if he'll be like, yeah, I have no problem with people being gay, but I'm just gonna insult people by calling them gay. Yeah, like, doesn't see the issue with that or, like, how those things (laughs) interact. Yeah. But he he cares about patience, and he cares about all of these characters, really, in the end. Like, JD is, like, one of very few doctors he ends up respecting because he sees how damn much JD cares about Mm. his patients and what he does. Yeah, yeah. And he respects that. He just hates it when JD's like, please be my daddy. Yeah. When when JD has an emotion. Yeah. Yeah. But he still (laughs) names his daughter after him. (laughs) I mean, that's still in the line of being problematic. It's a little cute. Well, no, that that was more. It was JD suggested the name for their daughter, Jennifer Mm. Dillon. And Cox didn't realize that that would be JD. Like, it was (laughs) JD sneakily getting him to name his child after him. Right. That, yeah. It wasn't Cox being like, haha, I named my child JD, but it's a girl. Oh, okay. That's what friends did. (laughs) <laughs> that was friends' is homophobia. Oh, media's great, ain't it? Never going back to the nineties. This show started in two thousand one. Yeah. Oh god, the early two thousands, honestly, were also a homophobic minefield. Yeah, it was real bad. Yeah. It was real bad. Friends, I mean, we talked about this. Friends in particular, like it had a gay wedding in the show and sure. had gay characters. Yeah. Like. 
I feel like early 2000s was like, it, it was becoming more sort of widespread mm-hmm. that gay people are a thing. And like previously in media, it just wasn't touched on at yeah. all. And so then like early... Or if it was, you'd be treated as like a deviant yeah 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 so like it started to become like a little bit more culturally acceptable um but in order to make it palatable to a wide variety of viewers then you also have to make jokes at their expense yeah like or just by insulting other people by calling them gay yeah like you there was like a hard really hard time just kind of like being chill about it (laughs) like the early 2000s were like a really weird transitionary period that I never want to go back to. <laughs> when you then, like, move on to, say, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which obviously has its own problems in the current landscape and <laughs> whatnot. But, like, that show set out from the very beginning that it was not going to put up with any of that kind of bullshit. Yeah. It established that Holt was gay in its first episode and it was no-nonsense and he's not remotely effeminate or flamboyant or anything. He's not the stereotypical kind of gay. He just is gay that's just part of yeah. who he is. And we're now making jokes about it. Like, and I mean, there there are jokes, but it's not at anyone's expense. No, there's a homophobic character at one point who Jake straight up punches out despite having revered him for many yeah. years to yeah. show and establish these characters aren't going to take that. Like, it's not okay. We've and, come so far. Yeah. Again, <laughs> jokes about relating to him being gay, like Holtz and Kevin's wedding, where yeah. we get the flashback and it's done in about 30 seconds because they were worried the law was going to be repealed. <laughs> like, that's... That's great. That's, that's like, a joke. And that's not at the gay people's expense. No, like. it's at the expense of the homophobic people. <laughs> Good content. Yeah. Um, and I can only hope that... This is just a little Pride Month segment here. I can yeah. only hope that media continues to get better. Yeah. Like, we're already seeing it oh, get yeah. so much better than it was, like, what? 10 years ago. I've seen... Yeah, I've seen people, like like, teenagers nowadays talking about how the finale of Korra isn't that big a deal and who really cares that they were like, looking at each other and holding hands. And like... It was such a big deal It was huge! Time. It was such a big deal. Like, you don't get a kid's show, a cartoon, portraying anything related to being gay. And or then, bi, or anything. And then we had Steven Universe. Yeah. And, and like... Ugh. And now you've got shows like The Owl House where... Just straight up, this girl has written a note to her female crush. It's... Mm, we've come so far. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> happy bye month. Uh, happy bye yeah. month. <laughs> happy... Uh, happy bye month if you're bi. Happy, happy pride month otherwise. Happy pride month. I'm bi and ace. Um, <laughs> support LGBTQIA plus creators. Woo! Yeah. Okay, back to the show. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Cox. <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> Why? Ambitious. Is he? Cares about his patients, wants to do better for them. Sure. Wants the hospital to be better on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Will work hard in order to get himself into a position to make things better. So, to a point. Mm -hmm. However, he also often tries to sabotage his own success and ability to move forward. And maybe that's more just because of, like, personal issues that get in the way of him being otherwise a Slytherin. Sure. I think he might be a Hufflepuff. And I'm not just trying to be like, ha ha, hardworking, so I put him in Hufflepuff. But I think he might be... He's very similar to JD in so many ways. Mm. He's not out there running around playing large-scale games or whatever. He's like JD, but jaded. Yeah. I mean, he's JD... At, he's got JD's core aspects of how how he cares about the people around he him. Cares how he cares about what he does. He will go up to the top. I don't think he necessarily cares about doing that. Like, he becomes the chief of medicine. And I guess he wants to get that. Oh, it's a fine line. But you did mention this earlier, that he had worked there for much longer than the rest of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't progressed very far, whereas Turk had progressed significantly to where they were on a similar level. By the end of the show, yeah. Yeah, and like, he progressed on a much slower scale Mm. so like he wasn't maybe striving for promotions as much yeah and was more just kind of like working very hard to (laughs) one of the episodes we watched was him just like it was an episode primarily about him and how he was trying to do everything Mm. and yeah because he wanted everything to be done his way the right way making sure everything is done as 
the quality as possible, making sure that he has that one-on-one time with all of his patients, mm-hmm. making sure that, like, he wants to be, he wanted to be there for his family. Like, he was trying to do everything, and he's working really, really hard to do it. Yeah. And uh, eventually, sort of, the moral of the story was that he had to sort of delegate some of those tasks so he could yeah. do a better job with the things that were most important to him. Yeah. But it, it, it is very much, like, he, I, I think I might agree with you on all yeah, of here. Like, um, obviously a strong Slytherin leaning and it's razor thin on the edge for him. Yeah, but I think he, he might be doing it because he cares so much. Yeah, I don't think he necessarily cares about getting ahead. Like, he... He cares about his patients yes. and about his staff. And if his it was the choice between doing the right thing to help someone and getting ahead, I think he will take that right choice to help someone else. I think so too, yeah. I think he just... He's an asshole, so he kind of gives off asshole yeah. vibes. But you mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Zachariah Smith is one um, of those classic examples of a character who is apparently Hufflepuff. Yeah. And an asshole. Yeah. And a lot of times I will just be like, oh, this character's an asshole. They're a Slytherin. But that's on me. That's my <laughs> biases. <laughs> Up next is an asshole I think is a Slytherin. Mm. Dr. Kelso. Yes. Bob Kelso, who is the head of the hospital when we're introduced to him. By the end of the show, he's retired, and he guest lectures in season nine. Mm. Um, and he plays a lot of like manipulation games. Yes, and like he is—he is the problem with American medical systems. He yeah. is the doctor who's who, like, we've got to get those profits. We've got to make profits for the hospital, and you know, ostensibly that's to help the hospital and keep it afloat and all. Because it is a terrible thing in America to run a hospital. There are so many plots in the show about characters who don't have health insurance because every fucking medical show in America has so many plots about characters without health insurance because it's such a major thing. And the doctors who who care are like deeply upset about this because they just want to help people. Yeah. But then you get your Kelsos who are like, if it- they can't pay the cash, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And like in the in one of the episodes we watched again, Cox has to convince him to perform a surgery on a patient without insurance because this guy will keep coming back and I forget what the bit is because like it's like it's a one time expenditure, so presumably you'll have insurance in the future or something. I don't know. I don't know. I forget um, some of the details there. The but reasoning it- was that like if we fix this problem, then we'll stop having to spend money on this person in the future. That might be it. He'll stop coming back every six months or whatever it was. Um, Maybe. Which is costing us more money in the long run. Mm. So let's just fix his pancreas or whatever it was. Coming back to some gay jokes. Mm. He has a son, Harrison, who is gay. And there are often jokes about his lifestyle and his habits and things. And it's like, haha, he's so silly. He's gay. It's all done again. Like, it's supposed to be positive. Bob cares about his son, even though, like, he is often like, oh, he's so annoying me, but I love my son. He, yeah, he doesn't quite understand. Yeah. He doesn't quite get it, but he's uh, trying to be supportive. And, like, that's almost the kind of thing that, like, you can almost forgive it that. He's yeah. the oldest main character, so you expect some yeah. traditional mistaken beliefs or whatever. But it's... while he makes those comments, he is loving and supportive Yeah. still. Um, it's a little bit, because we're talking about how this was sort of like a weird transitionary sort of period in regards to um, gay representation in media. Um, And that is a little bit more something that feels forgivable in that space of like a character who like, look, this is like you. You probably have someone in your life who you found out is gay and like maybe you don't know what to do with them, but like you should be supportive. Like try to try to be like this, even if you don't quite understand this is how you, sh- you like it, it's it's a little bit more of a positive like it's a hell of a lot better than it could be there will often be times where he would make some kind of disparaging remark about his son but it's the kind of thing where he'd be like hey that's my son i'm allowed to make fun of him you can't make fun of him yeah. don't you dare yeah he yeah, is yeah. my gay son and i am proud of him i'm sure you'd make fun of his son regardless of sure. <laughs> his son's love life he's yeah. that kind of guy yeah <laughs> So, like, it's a lot better than it could be on that yeah, regard. Yeah. Still not, definitely not perfect. Like, no. obviously, obviously However, not. He himself, he is ambitious. He does want to rise to the top and do the best he can. He wants to make that money. Yeah. He, he wants to run the hospital. He wants it to be profitable. Yes. He, what else is Slytherin? He's sure as damn resourceful and cunning. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leadership. He's the leader. Um, uh, he's got some manipulative... Yeah. Manipulative tendencies. And he's got those people around him that, like, he cares about the most. Primarily the people that will be able to help him. Yes. Like, Dr. Cox is a character who is often at loggerheads with Kelso. 
Yeah. Kelso likes him and keeps him around, partly because of those loggerheads. He wants Perry to be on his side more, but he knows that Perry is someone he can trust. Yeah. Like, like you are not someone who's going to suck up to me purely for the sake of sucking up to me. If you're telling me something that I agree with, it's because you also think that's the case and that's worthwhile. Oh. Oh? I just realized Dr. Dr. Cox is so honest. That's that's a sure. Hufflepuff trait. Yeah. I just just throwing that in there. Yeah. Um, and that is Good that point. is part of why Kelso values him is he is incredibly honest. He'll yeah. speak his mind. Yeah. And I think that thing, Kelso keeps keep Kelso keeps his enemies close. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like he's got a close knit group of people that he will count on mm-hmm. and talk to about these things, and that's all he needs. Yeah. And then he retires and hangs out because free muffins. Yeah, and he becomes he, like he just wants to be friends with everyone at that point. <laughs> yeah, he's like, eh, I've retired. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> so like, there are so many times where they thought it was the show's last season, yeah. and they tried to end things off. Yeah. So season six, they thought it was going to be their last season at one point. Mm. So they killed Laverne off, and then in in season seven and eight, they just like the showrunner promised her a new character because he. he like, he only killed her off thinking it was the last season. Yeah. So that he made her a new character, Shirley. <laughs> yeah. She would also appear as Laverne again a few times in some flashbacks. Also, JD would call her Laverne again. <laughs> like, no one else could see that it was clearly the same person apart yeah. from him. Yeah. Yeah, Kelso. Uh, right. Uh, Dr. I Kelso, saying. I think, is the Slytherin. He yeah. um, kind of reminds me of Slughorn hmm. in quite a few ways. Like, keeping, keeping those around him that... That's an interesting perspective on that yeah no i mean i, I get what you mean like you're yeah he's keeps he, the people he, close to him yeah can he's help sort him. of like hand-picked and collected people that will be beneficial for mm-hmm. him um and yeah. ultimately i think he's trying to do good like yeah. he's, Generally a, speaking. he's a doctor like he's yeah. running a yeah. hospital and that is something that you only get into if you want to help people yes. but someone has to make the money happen yeah unfortunately we live in a capitalist society <laughs> well someone has to make the money happen in an american hospital yeah that's not usually the case that's fair american healthcare system is terrible and evil and socialized healthcare is the future yeah <laughs> every other like it's bad it's bad but in the system that we have you need someone like dr kelso to keep it running sure and yeah kelso for slytherin yeah very much and finally for our main characters we've got janitor the best character. <laughs> so, we're done with this. Janitor is a mystery uh-huh. by his own design. Uh-huh. During season one, he is only ever seen interacting with JD. Yeah. That is because of when they thought the show might only run for one season, Janitor was going to be revealed at the end as just a figment of JD's imagination, like his own psyche holding him back or whatever. And then in the season one finale, he interacts with another character and has like a repeat of the moment from with JD from the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... It's shown throughout the course of the show that Janitor's antagonistic relationship with JD in particular is stronger than with anyone else. Like, and it's more than anything else. He just hates him. Yes. He does not reveal his name at any point. In the season eight finale, he gives JD a name, Glenn something. But he, then another character walks by and gives him a different name. He bit, has an air of mystery and he likes it. He <laughs> has the brain trust where several other side characters join him to help solve problems. Mm. He's got, like... At one point, he forms an air guitar band with Turk, and they all play different air instruments, and they hold auditions for that. It's just like an agent of chaos yeah, in the background. Yeah, he's got various absurd hobbies, like um, taxidermy. Sure. He gets a girlfriend at one point, and, like, at first, it's one of those classic things where, like, don't be yourself, be a sensible person. Mm. That obviously ends with him having to accept and be himself, and he gives off... Janet often has long, rambling spiels, which are improv Yeah. And so he says things like, I don't believe in the sun. I think it's just the back of the moon. <laughs> and th- things like that. In season eight, though, they get married on an island somewhere. And all the other characters go with them for a two-part special. I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, incredible. And then in the- he gets a cameo at the beginning of season nine, where, like, JD's turned up at the new Sacred Heart Learning Hospital. And JD, like, he asks whatever happened of Janitor. And Turk says, oh, didn't you hear? And we get a flashback to the day after JD had left the hospital where Janice is like, so when's, when's your buddy coming back? And he's like, no, he's he's gone. He's not coming back. And he's like, no, you're kidding. No. And then he just drops the broom, dusts off his hands, walks out and was never seen again. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, he, he also played a character in The Fugitive. 
Okay. Because his actor was in The Fugitive, and at okay. one point they just show okay. a clip of Harrison Ford shooting at the janitor. And they're like, wait a minute, that's you. And Yeah. Incredible. Again, deliberately an elusive mystery. He holds grudges, and that's like one of his main character traits. Yeah. He holds a grudge against JD because on JD's first day, while he's waiting to meet someone, he's fixing, the janitor is fixing the door, and JD suggests that maybe a penny got stuck in it. Later on, he supposedly finds a penny in the door and decides that JD put it there, and so plans against him for the rest of time. Yeah. In one of the episodes that we watched, like, there's moments where he is not entirely antagonistic. Um, And sometimes antagonism goes towards other characters to a lesser extent. Sure. Oftentimes he'll team up with other characters. In one of the episodes we watched, he teamed up with, he had, like, a truce with JD specifically. Yeah. Um, Which was, is, like, so much fun to watch. Like, watching them sort of be... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's also fun to see things like him getting on with Dr. Cox because they both hate people, but they don't yeah. hate indiscriminately and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like his relationship <laughs> with just like anyone is just fascinating. It's, he's so fun to watch. Again, he's supposed to be an enigma and yeah. weird. Yeah. And it's great. It's so entertaining. Yeah. Um, I love. I can't imagine a world in which we put him in any house besides Slytherin. Yeah. Like. Just a little chaos demon. I mean, that's the thing. Chaos isn't necessarily a Slytherin trait, but it is very much a vibe thing. It's the it's the causing trouble. Yeah. It's the holding a grudge. Conniving, <laughs> cunning, like yeah, cunning is very much like the, the, case. the plotting. Yeah. And yeah, the holding the grudge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Janitor Slytherin, he's great, but and there's so much to say, but there's nothing to say. Nothing substantial. Like, nothing... Like, we could describe his plot thread in every single episode. And you'd still know nothing. Yeah. How beautiful is that? Oh, it's great. So beautiful. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Alex. Yes. It is time. It's time. It's time for the Lightning Bolt Round! Okay, first up, we got the Todd. The Todd. He's one of the most recurring side characters. He actually appears... In the total number of episodes, because of season nine, more than some of the main characters do overall, I think. Huh. Uh, definitely more than Carla, I want to say. Because mm. he's in most episodes. He is another surgeon. He is Turk's best surgeon friend, and he shows up all the time. He is the pinnacle of the meathead surgeon that the show portrays. Yeah. He loves high fives and names most high fives he gets and gives out. He's a big old dummy. He's a Gryffindor. Yeah. He is the Gryffindor it's jock It's because he fucks. He probably doesn't fuck as much as he would like to. Mm. But he's still a Gryffindor. Yeah. Alex, tell me about Ted. Ted is my other favourite character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I like him so much. Um, <laughs> uh, he's like a lawyer yep. for the hospital. Doing hospital lawyer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a band. An acapella band. Yep. He's often just... The worthless of- peons who... Uh, they're, who are brought in and they're like in finance and accounting and other parts of the hospital yeah, because yeah. they're a real band that yeah. I've seen perform live twice Yeah, because they do they used to do tours of student unions which is delightful they, ha- they had the same routine in which they explained how it was their first ever UK tour <laughs> two years running incredible <laughs> uh, he's kind of like a sad mopey kind of guy yeah um, I think Ravenclaw sure also rest in peace Sam Lloyd you're a, yeah. you're a fucking goat a cool dude. Yeah. Um, tell me about Laverne. Laverne is your a very stereotypical stock sitcom character. Mm. She's the born-again Christian black woman who loves to gossip. Sure. And she is another nurse. She was very much Carla's mentor as a nurse. She has a, her final couple of episodes are very heart, heartfelt though. Yeah. Weirdly shot. I remember just looking at them and some of those shots did not feel like they fit. But well, huh. she had a run-in with Dr. Cox at that point because he was so anti-religious. And she was just like, why can't you just let people have what they have? And da 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 And like, he like, comes to an understanding and then she is in a car crash, I think. And the next episode is her in a coma and every character saying goodbye and it's very sad. And I'm rambling. Uh... <laughs> at least you're rambling on topic, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Slytherin. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Tell me about Jordan. Jordan is Dr. Cox's wife, ex-wife, depends on the time. So, she's introduced as his ex-wife. They get back together and rekindle their relationship. They find out that they're still legally married, and then they realise they hate that, so they have a divorce ceremony, like a wedding ceremony, but they're getting divorced because they like being divorced 
together. You know what? Whatever works for you. I mean, I guess. If that's have, what works yeah. for you, fine. In season one, she like is introduced as a member of the board on of the hospital, and yeah. JD sleeps with her before finding out she's Doctor Cox's ex. Yeah. That then is kind of dropped after season one. So she's st- introduced in quite an antagonistic role. Mm. Um. Yeah. Um, that might kind of be flavoring my take on her, but I feel like this does hold up later in the show as well. I think she's a Slytherin. I think so. Um, and when her and Dr. Cox are, like, working together and, like, they're on the same side, mm-hmm. you get that that very good Hufflepuff <laughs> Slytherin dynamic, um, and that, like, a, a perfect example of mm-hmm. that. Um, tell me about Doug. Doug is another intern who started at the same time as J.D. Turk and Elliot, except he was terrible at his job, very nervous all the time, kept killing patients. His first patient died 40 minutes into his first day, so they ended up finding him a job in the morgue because he was very good at diagnosing causes of death and all that sort of thing. And it was a much better place for him. Sure. And I think he's a Hufflepuff. I think he's that kind of nervous, timid, side character Hufflepuff. Yeah, like the clumsy, bumbling. Yeah. Alex, tell me everything you know about the character Sean. I don't know anything about Sean. <laughs> Who's Sean? Sean is a boyfriend of Elliot. He's a, one of the more substantial recurring characters. He was a marine biologist. And I believe at one point we see him just standing next to a pool with dolphins that he trains and he's just talking to the dolphins. And then he ends up with JD's ex and mother of his child, Kim. And JD and Elliot are both weirded out by this, but it's fine. Sure. Marine biologist who dates and likes dolphins. Uh, Ravenclaw. Sure. Tell me about Keith Dudemeister. Keith Dudemeister. He is an intern introduced around season four. Again, has a relationship with Elliot as kind of a boy toy. And JD initially doesn't like him. And he's, like, giving out nicknames to everyone. And... Like, Keith's like, you're giving a nickname to everyone but me. And JD's like, well, Keith's kind of hard to make a nickname out of. And he's like, my last name is Dude Meister. It means Master of Dudes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's ringing more bells than Marine Biologist Guy was. <laughs> sure. I think he's probably in more episodes overall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gryffindor. Sure. How about Dr. Wen? Who's this? Uh, the introdu- at the beginning of the show, he is the chief of surgery. Like, he's Dr. Cox's equivalent in okay. surgery. Okay, Um Is he who, like, Turk replaces eventually? I think so. Presumably. I don't remember exactly how that happens, but yeah. like he- We don't follow the surgery ward in- drama quite as closely. <laughs> no. In the, first ep- in the season one episode we watched, Turk goes to him to ask for help in performing right. the surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... He's competent at his job and just yeah. isn't caught up in the goofy shit. Cares probably cares about his patients, wants to do his job good. Yeah, people. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with like the Ravenclaw doctor yeah. vibes that yeah. you were given. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Lloyd the delivery guy. Lloyd the delivery guy. I wrote Lloyd the delivery guy because if I just wrote Lloyd, I wouldn't have remembered who he was. He's a <laughs> delivery guy who's clearly got problems. He's a metalhead and I think addicted to things. <laughs> I don't know exactly what. He shows up occasionally in like some of the brain trust side character stuff and I think he was in the air band playing the drums probably. I don't quite remember. Okay. Uh Gryffindor. Okay. How about Kim? This is Elizabeth Banks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is Rito Repulsa. This is Effie Trinket. This is Wild Style. Wild Style. This is one of the judges from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't remember anything about a character, though. She's introduced, I think, in season five, late in season five, as a character. And they do the trick of, like, oh, she's been here all along, but we couldn't see her because reasons. And then they change the intro while she's there to flip around the x-ray on the screen because it was always the wrong way around. And she jokes that it was always bugging her. She and JD hook up and very quickly have a child. She's a urologist. Her debut episode is titled My Urologist. Ravenclaw. Sure. Doctor. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about Denise. Denise is an intern introduced in season eight and was on the Scrubs interns webisodes and is also a main character in Scrubs season nine. Uh, she is a no-nonsense... She's very tomboyish. She is not shy about the fact that she likes having sex with mm-hmm. men. She wants to be clear that she is not gay, I guess. I don't know. Because she tends to... Give off that idea that she might be? Be kind of brash and a little bit more masculine tending than a lot of women present themselves because she's just, like, a lot more 
chill. Like, she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, She's bad. She has terrible bedside manner. Mm. But she does a good job. She's here to do her best. And I think she does it, goes about it in a Slytherin way. Yeah? Yeah. I think she's very honest. Sure. Like, I, I think that's worth noting. Um, yeah. That, like, a lot of her sort of brashness comes from, like, she's just not going to sugarcoat things yeah, sure. for you. Like, she's going to be honest and upfront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex, oh. tell me about the worthless peons. This is Ted's band. Yeah, they're uh, not really characters. So I threw them all together, though, because they are great. He yells and they come. <laughs> yeah. I think the reason they were first incorporated into the show was at their season one rap party. Sam Lloyd invited the rest of his band to the party, and while there, they performed their acapella. While there, they performed the acapella version of the Scrubs theme song. Oh, that's nice. Which is then used throughout the show at times. Oh, that's delightful. Yeah. Um, as a group, I'm gonna say Ravenclaw. Sure. Creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. Tell me about season nine. Season nine is uh, who cares? It sucked. It was a. <laughs> it was a greedy like, soulless cash grab to try and continue the show while it was still popular, and it failed because they should have just ended on the high note that was my finale, the end of season 8, which was really strong. Because season 9, while it had very good moments, like, I always think that you could take just the first episode of season 9 and, like, enjoy that. It was a good episode, and be like, and the story continues. Sure. The rest of it you don't need. It was not good. Uh, so, soulless cash grab Slytherin. <laughs> okay. And that is Scrubs Sorted. Alex, my dear? Yes? I would humbly request that you sort it out. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know how Harry Potter starts? I've heard of it. I'm not talking about that stupid first chapter. <laughs> um, I, I just mean, like, Dumbledore and McGonagall show up okay, at, yeah. at the Dursley The house. first scene from the film. Yeah. The first scene from the film where that part was very good. Yeah. Really established that mystery and Let wonder. me rephrase. Remember how Harry Potter should have started? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of that stupid first chapter. Um, Dumbledore and McGonagall show up and mm-hmm. they're just like, cool, we're going to leave a baby here on the doorstep. Yeah. What if they didn't do that? Because that's <laughs> But what about his blood protection? Blood, Alex! Blood! What if instead... Blood? What? (laughs) No. No blood. No blood. blood. Aw, but I like Um, blood. What if instead they contacted the Dursleys through muggle means beforehand, Uh talked to them, and Mm -hmm. were like, hey... This child is orphaned. I know it's literally been a day or whatever, but, you know, put put him in in somewhere safe for a week or something while you get this all sorted out. You can't just dump a baby on a doorstep and hope that it works out. Talk to them beforehand. Be like, hey, instead of this passive-aggressive letter in which I'm basically emotionally blackmailing you to take care of this baby, what if instead, <laughs> like, I talk to you face-to-face, explain what the issues are, um, explain, like, you'll have magical protection, we'll keep you safe, we'll make sure that, like, it's fine, just take care of this kid. Sure, I'm I'm afraid you lost Dumbledore when you said don't emotionally blackmail. And that is the larger issue that I'm getting to. <laughs> um, I'm starting with this small example as like a very specific concrete way that we could fix Harry Potter, and mm-hmm. that is, you know, in this specific moment have Dumbledore be a competent adult. Um <laughs> Not someone who's just trying to kill one particular man. Yeah. Fuck Dumbledore. Um and so, like, that's where we're going to start, but I'd also like to extend that to Dumbledore's entire being. <laughs> Can we just... D- Haven't we before? I feel like we must have. This but... is, and this is... I think we might have touched on this to some degree, and this is why I started with this one specific instance. Uh-huh. Because, like, this is kind of my branching off point. If everything else has been said before, then this is a specific instance that I want fixed. Okay. Um, talk to people before you give them a baby. <laughs> You can't just give them a baby. It's fine. They already have a baby. Yeah. They're already burdened <laughs> with a baby. They can't just have two. Why not? That's twice as much effort as having one. Mm-hmm. So? That's significantly no, it's fine. more work. It's fine. It's not just fine. That's no, fine. They don't have magic, Dumbledore. They're not wizards. They have to do this all by hand. They have to change the diapers themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't... Like, you can't just say, oh, it's fine. There's magical protection around the house. And it's like... Yeah, but what if you just put magical protection around any given house, like you do? Right? Repeatedly. 
there are so okay and i i get part of it was like we want him to go to the dursleys because yes he's got to be raised like he's a character in a roald dahl book yeah like we don't want him to grow up with a big head or whatever like <laughs> sure fuck off but that's whatever. not the reason yeah um yeah, yeah. that's an excuse <laughs> we know that's not the reason we know that's not the reason um <laughs> There are so many, like, loving wizarding families who would have taken this kid up in a heartbeat. Name one. The Weasleys. <laughs> the Weasleys do basically adopt him. They have next to nothing, and they they take him To be in. fair, it would have been even weirder, though, if Harry had been raised with them and then hooked up with Ginny. That would be weird. That would have... But, you know, there, there are other uh, families like them. Yeah. Or um, just McGonagall. Yeah. McGonagall would be a better parent. Yeah, Mc- and, like, who the fuck's gonna fuck with McGonagall? No. No one does for the tw- 20 fucking years during the duration of the series. Like, because no one can. It took four stunning spells to knock her out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. McGonagall's fucking badass. Yeah. Um, and just give them a house with a fucking Fidelius charm on it. And yeah. if you don't just trust any random fucking person, if she herself is the secret keeper, mm-hmm. like a sensible person, Actually, it'll yeah, be can fine. I, can I change this? Instead of making this about Dumbledore and his <laughs> terrible, bad life decisions, we're giving baby Harry to McGonagall. Yeah. <laughs> I've changed my mind. We're fixing This is how we're fixing Harry it. Harry is raised by McGonagall. Because you know that she would absolutely not let him have a big head. She would let <laughs> none of that. She, no, absolutely not. Like, you were just a regular wizard like everyone else. Um, also, she's extremely protective, but also we know that she loves him. Like, mm-hmm. she's... Uh, she buys him that broom. There's the whole, like, have a biscuit potter. Uh, like, she stands up for him in regards to Umbridge. There's the moment with the Carrow in Ravenclaw Tower where she's like, Potter is in my house. Why would he be in here? And Harry defends her. And, oh, like they clearly like they have. There's there's something there. Yeah, like yeah. that. That's the clo- aside from like Molly. Like that's that's like the only other really like mother figure that we really get for Harry. Sure, yeah. Um, like he gets like twelve different father figures. Yeah, he gets loads of father figures and like two mother figures and like he, McGonagall like, is one of them. That's the he gets enough father figures that he's got four names to give out to his kids and still have plenty of excess. And then there's Lily Luna, because there's no mother figure he wants to name his child after. Lily Minerva, please. <laughs> like, please. Not to say the Luna's not great, but Molly like, Minerva. <laughs> well, Percy names his child Molly. Okay, that's and fair. And that's kind that's of fair. a nice, like, family reconciliation. Yeah, you have to let one of the, yeah. the Weasleys have Molly. That's because, fine. But Minerva. And, like, everyone has to name their child after someone else, of course. No one just chooses that's a name. That's how wizards work, I guess. No one just chooses a name for their child. Unless you're Hermione, who's <laughs> You say that, but she did call her child Hugo. <laughs> better than fucking Severus. Uh, <laughs> she did better than Harry did. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, um, yeah, McGonagall would have been a wonderful mother for Harry. Yeah, like um, we get some like if you believe in Pottermore or whatever. Um, like she's got some sort of like tragic backstory where she never got to have a family herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like. I, I think that she would have so happily taken that, like, that opportunity. I think she would have, she absolutely would have raised Harry wonderfully. Yeah. And the Dursleys were nothing but abusive, and they knew that the whole time, mm-hmm. and they left him there. Hmm. I can only assume that McGonagall did not know. Know what? That he was being abused that whole time. Not, and not in the same way, but she, I mean, she says, like, I've been watching these people the whole day. You are, they're, they're terrible. They're yeah, awful. She didn't want to leave him there. She's yeah. like, these are garbage people. And that's when she thought that there was a chance that they would still treat Harry nicely. Yeah. But just raise him to be a little shit like Dudley. Which, is that best? Because that's the thing, right? Even, like, they got so fucking lucky that the Dursleys hated Harry, basically. Because otherwise, yeah. Harry would have turned into Dudley. Yeah. <laughs> Slytherin for sure. <laughs> Uh. So anyway Fuck Dumbledore Uh, McGonagall's awesome Thank you for listening to Sorted And thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us You can find other cool shows on the network Such as Steampunks Green Mountain Mysteries And our other show Pokemakers Thank you to Matt Majakamo of the Wamping Willows For this our theme song, the House of Awesome theme song And if you agree or disagree with any of our sorting You can find us on Twitter at SortedPod You can also find us both individually I'm at CodenameJD And I'm at Pichu P-T-C-H-E-W And while you're there on Twitter Tweet at us your favourite fictional doctor And we'll sort them Dude, there are loads of fictional doctors You've got to have a favourite <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Bye. Bye. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Start a new house. It's called awesome. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. So here's what you missed on Loser Like Me. A musical TV show called Glee aired for six seasons, and Christina and Tanner decided to rewatch the whole thing. It's really wild. Anything goes on this show. The whole conflict is about a cheerleading coach trying to destroy a Glee club. But it's also about finding your true self and being special. Well, their teacher's a cuck, and I'm pretty sure his degree fell off the back of a truck. There's lots of yelling about good representation from the show and the two of us. And I don't think the writers are always sure what show they're even writing. Yeah. Tanner gets passionate about Kurt. Christina gets really upset about incorrect use of Spanish. Look, it happens. And so many interesting characters don't get the screen time they deserve. Like Tina, Ari, Mike, So if you want to hear what was going on beyond just the singing and the dancing, check out Loser Like Me. It's a podcast where we find the best parts of this show and hold nothing back talking about the worst ones. You can find us on whatever podcast provider you use. Or on Twitter at LoserLikeMePod. And And that's that's what what you missed on Glee. Glee!